for some of you who may not know me, I'm, uh, my name is Kafun, um, worshipping in this church and also a pastoral worker. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, it's a very familiar passage that we have, the parable of the ten virgins or uh, bridesmaids. I will use these two words interchangeably. Okay. Now, the context of this wedding uh, was during Jesus' time, right? So, according to D.A. Carson, uh, this is the description of a first century Jewish wedding. So, normally, the bridegroom with some close friends uh, left his house to go to the bride's home where there were various ceremonies followed by a procession through the streets after nightfall to his home. Now, the ten virgins may be bridesmaids who have been assisting the bride and they expect to meet the groom as he comes from the bride's house. Everyone in the procession was expected to carry his or her own torch or lamp. That's the, that's the, con, uh, the background of this whole parable. Well, I guess in modern Singapore, uh, it would be very similar to our party of brides coming into the hall just before our bride comes in. Yeah? So sometimes you have got them coming in slowly. Sometimes you have them dancing in. Right. Just imagine this particular one is um, asking the friends, uh, the bridesmaids, 10 of them to come in with bubble soap guns. And then when, when just before the bride comes in, they will shoot these this bubbles. Then you go, ooh, bubbles coming up. Quite cute, like, eh, very nice, yeah. So, but you know bubbles, right? You come in with bubbles and you just shoot bubbles only. Everybody loves to play bubbles, right? You stop playing only because the floor gets too slippery. So maybe the, the, the bubbles, they just went on. So five of them brought extra soap. Five didn't. And so it came to a time when, hey, the, the couple is coming in. And then the five of them who had extra could top up, no problem. But the other five who didn't have to say, oh, no, I got to go and make a concoction of all this bubble now. For those who have done it before, you realize that it's not so easy. Huh? It's not like just soap, huh? just cha-cha-cha-cha. No, right? <laughs> Audrey, it's nothing, right? You have to have shampoo to get that bubble and you must have the same correct um, uh, 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 density and so forth. Yeah. So to finally finish doing your experiments, huh? I, don't know what will ha- I don't know how long that may take. And so it finished, they finished and they got the concoction ready, poured into the guns and they come back in ready to shoot. Problem was, the bride and groom have arrived. <laughs> that could be, can you imagine that kind of situation? When I first read the story, I was expecting the, the wise bridesmaids to pour some oil into the, the foolish ones. Uh. I mean, we grew up reading stories of good morals. Yet, this story didn't go that way. It was trying to show something else, not trying to teach us about sharing. It was teaching us that the responsibility, it was the responsibility of the bridesmaids to bring their lambs and to prepare extra oil for themselves. Matter of the fact is, I think some duties do belong to certain individuals and we can't do it for them. Like my 86-year-old mother who recently had a fall, her Bones got to fuse and fuse well. But it's her bones, not my bones. I cannot fuse for her. I cannot be strong for her. She got to heal. I can carry her and help her and so forth. But it's her bones that got to heal. I can invite my friends to visit her, cheer her up, talk about Jesus. 
But whether to believe in Jesus or not, that's also her choice. In the same way, we can't believe in Jesus on someone's behalf. We can't grow in the spirit and in the knowledge of God's love for someone's behalf. We can create an environment for Christian nurture, but faith and growth got to be personal responsibility. Let's examine the parable again. The ten bridesmaids knew about the banquet. They were ready for the banquet. They were dressed for the banquet. And all of them had their lambs with them. Yet it seems that some were ready for the banquet, but not prepared for the groom. Sounds like Christian life. For the Christian life is more than just showing up and holding Bibles in our hands, praying religiously worded prayers. It is more than what is in the exterior. It is an inside story. Were the bridesmaids concerned about the wedding banquet? Yes, otherwise they wouldn't be there. For various reasons, they were just not prepared for the groom's delay. Maybe it was pride and confidence that suggested not to bring extra oil. Maybe it was disappointment. Ah, he's not going to come so soon. He has never turned up. He has never really fulfilled my prayers. Maybe it was fatigue, too tired even to stretch out to get that extra flask of oil. Maybe it's the same for some of us here. And I mean here, here in person, here online, and here later catching up. If you hadn't bothered, you wouldn't be here in service. Your lamps are burning, but perhaps you just don't have an extra flask of oil. I'm going to say a few descriptions and I'm going to ask God to gently show us if we have slipped into this mode and are behaving like the foolish maidens. Allow me to just do that. You may want to close your eyes as I read it. Jesus, a bruised reed you will not break, a faintly burning wick you will not quench. Reveal to us, Lord, we pray. My friends, do you feel like you are running low on fuel? Do you feel like you are using old recycled oil? Do you feel that you are not excited about spiritual matters? Do you find it hard to pray? Does sitting through a reading of the word turn you off? Do you find it hard to receive Christian help or advice? If your, adv if your answers are yes to some of them, do heed these small voices calling out danger. For embers turn cold, subtly, slowly, 
quietly. My friends, are you feeling like you have to bear the burden all alone? Take a moment to pause, add oil. Do you feel like your suggestion is always the better way and that other people's methods just won't work? Then step back. Put on pause mode, add oil. Are you feeling hurt, confused, feeling unfairly treated? And pause a while. Receive treatment, apply ointment, add oil. Are you feeling lousy because someone dear to you has wandered away spiritually and you felt that it could be your fault? Then take a pause. Bring the matter to the Lord, add oil. Thank you, Jesus. Open your eyes. Thank you, God, that he hears us. And you know, Christians are like sheep. Sheep all need help along the way. They get lost, they stray away, they get hurt, they become weak. The Bible says we are the sheep of his pastures. We get lost. We stray away. We get hurt. We become weak. We need the shepherd. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to ask for help. And it's absolutely okay to be vulnerable. Share with you something that, that's why I love Good Shepherd so much. I remember when I used to lead worship, that was like 20, 20 years ago, 20, more than that. Um, Hock Chan and I would serve together. I lead worship, Hock Chan plays, or when he leads, I support. And Hannah was very young then, two, three, four, can't remember how old, maybe we, we led worship for so long. So we had to bring Hannah along, no one to take care of her at home. And there was one sister who would always come. Service was at four, worship was at two. This sister would come, 2 p.m., Every time she would check out when I'm supposed to lead worship and she would come. Doreen Tay. Many of us know her. She's not able to come so often, so frequently now, but I will be very thankful to her. She will come at 2 p.m. Nonchalantly, she would just tell me, oh, no, it's all right. I like to come early anyway. And then she would scoop my daughter away into the cry room. And then she would just spend time with my daughter. When my daughter was old enough to go to Sunday school and I had to lead worship still, Doreen stayed with my daughter in Sunday school. And I look back now and I'm just so thankful for this lady who helped. Even when my daughter turned 21, she actually remembered. The other person that helped me quite a lot is, uh, I'm looking for, <laughs> okay, it's Betty, Naishon's wife. She did the same thing for me. She says, I know you need to read worship. She was staying at Margaret Drive then. She says, come, bring your daughter to my house. And my daughter went to her house and just play and sit in her house. And I'm just thankful for people who helped me serve the Lord. 
when I look back and I look at it and I say, I'm so happy serving the Lord, I think they, they, they were the ones who added fuel to my ministry, I'm quite sure. Another one that I will not forget is definitely Gombak's care group. You are a source of help to me. Especially when I was working in the other church for 12 years, each time I had to um, share the gospel, each time I had to preach in the church, whenever there were some um, spiritual matters that I had, to, I had to do, I would always text Gombak Ken Group. And I, I appreciate the worded prayers. I get very angry with the praying hands because you don't need to give me your praying hands because I expect you to pray for me. And I expect that from Gombak and I know I get it from Gombak. And each time when I run low on fuel, I know that these are the people who will hold out the lamps for me. Of course, eventually, it is my duty to hold the lamp myself. But because of them, ministry becomes easier. And we can hold out the lamps for people too. Our Singaporean system has caused us to rely very much on ourselves. Um, so many of us have learned to hold the lamps without extra oil. We have learned to perform exterior, but at the same time, we are worried, no oil at the back. What happens next? Maybe that's why many of us are becoming very anxious. In the Bible, Jesus told Martha in Luke 10, Martha, Martha, you are anxious about many things. Are we like Martha too? Then let us help one another. Let us remind one another that it is okay to pause and to add on. But just a word of caution before I leave this point. Be watchful. It is easy to hide behind a mask to fool other people. But it is frightening to know that in time to come, if we don't take out the masks, we begin to fool ourselves too. So let's not pretend. Let's just face it and help one another to go in the Lord. The parable goes on, and at the end of the parable, Jesus warned, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. It is one thing to vaguely believe that Jesus would return, but it is quite another to be unprepared for his actual return. Do you believe that Jesus is coming back again? Yes. Are you prepared for it? How? Let us fill our bottles with things of the Lord so that when the Lord comes, we are not caught wanting. One good test is actually this ongoing Gazan war. Do you know what stance we are taking? <laughs> do you know what the Bible says about Israel? Do you know what we are supposed to do in that sense? We don't have to be an expert on this, but we shouldn't, at least definitely, we shouldn't be the ignorant folks that go around spreading false messages. My brother was a non-Christian. I mean, he, is a, he, he, he studies, right? He, he, he's educated, right? He asked me, so this Israel-Israel thing, are you Christian-Christian? Are you Christian support Israel, right? Then I'm like, mm, okay. Then it says, you're uh, Israel-Christian-Christian. I said, no, brother, Israel not Christian. Huh? Not Christian, ah? I said, no, not Christian. I then, then he said, but then Jesus, uh, Jesus is a Christian. I said, Jesus is the Christ. We are the Christians. <laughs> <laughs> then the best part was my brother went into this one. Ay, I don't know, la, I don't know. Ya. You're a Christian. Ah. I only know you always go against Falao. Okay, my Chinese not very good. So Falao, I thought was Pharisee. It's not the Pharisee, right? I said, oh, 
yeah, yeah, Jesus goes against Pharaoh. He said, no, la, no. Pharaoh is the Egyptian, the Egyptian king. I said, ah, Pharaoh is a pharaoh. Ah. I said, ah, yeah, yeah. He said, he said you know, Jesus go against uh, the pharaoh. He cannot pronounce pharaoh, so he said Pharaoh. Okay. So he says, you all go against the pharaoh. No, the baby, the baby lay on the water. Then the princess come and bathe and take the baby. I said, brother, that one Moses lah. And I realized, but he's not a Christian. Why am I expecting him to know the Christian Bible? Right? So, it was quite interesting. And I was discussing with my brother about all this, about the Bible. And then at the conclusion, he says, Ayah, which is true. But then we cannot say the same thing of, of that, right? We cannot say we don't know the Bible, right? We cannot say that I don't know what the Bible says about Israel. I don't know what stand we take. I don't know. We can't, right? Can we? We need, therefore, to really believe that the Bible is still relevant because God's promises are true. And if God's promises are true and the Bible is still relevant, then please, in peacetime, let us take time to build up good knowledge and good habits so that we can stand firm when crisis hit. This church plans Christian education programs. We look into Bible study. We, we are serious about studying the Word of God. Pastor is so serious, he go and get a PhD already. Okay. <laughs> We all must dig a dig a pastor. No, but, but, no, but really, we are privileged in this time and this place. This place is used for this place is used for BSF on Tuesdays. So many things are happening over here. We have an opportunity. This is peace time. So let's get to know God and the Bible during this time. Let us take the second coming seriously. I come to my last point. Today's Old Testament passage is from Amos 5. God is very clear. He's not looking for our solemn assemblies or our feasts. He is not satisfied with cursory sacrifices. He is looking for justice and righteousness. Rivers and streams of justice and righteousness. True. Christians it is not enough for us to look good on the outside. Nursing home, societies, charities. Just like maidens dress for the banquet. We have the duty to live out and bring about justice and righteousness wherever we are. Let us not just come to church and warm the pews. Let us hear God's word and live it out to make a difference in this world. Wow, so high and mighty. How do we do that, we ask? In our jobs. Some of us have the privilege to have the authority to make decisions. When you do so, execute them with justice and love. All of us have the duty to be diligent and do our job well. So that when people look at us, they say, this is a Christian serving her God. Very often in working environments, when there's an underperforming officer, we rotate them to other departments. Many leaders will rationalize, mm, 
this person cannot work under me, maybe he can work, he can thrive elsewhere. I don't know. But I know of one leader who stopped the bug. This person was being moved from place to place. He came to my friend and who was brave enough to analyze with the officer the real problem that he was having. And then they sat down and they trashed things out for months. And finally, they came to a solution which saw him quitting the job, but going to another career and thriving over there. Every year, he sends a Christmas card to thank her because she dared to stop the bark. In our homes, we may have to become a mediator between fielding siblings. We may have to make difficult, necessary decisions. I pray for you when you have to do that, and I pray for wisdom as you exact righteousness and justice. In a marriage, are you playing a control game? Do you often force the children to take sides? Who you prefer, mommy or daddy? Are you the one that's controlling the purse strings very tightly? I know of this man who gave all his earnings to his wife, who then did not give him a single cent to spend on his leisure. <laughs> Guys, don't be so stupid. Okay. <laughs> I've also... Uh, do you also use sex as a weapon? Too stingy or too demanding? Let there be justice and righteousness, even in our marriages. I like this particular quote the pastor shared with us on one night when we went for our prayer meeting, our prayer walks. This is a prayer by Jack Hayford. It reads, Now, Lord, we are the seed of Abraham, and we speak blessing upon the people of this community. Let your salvation, healing, deliverance, and reconciliation settle over this community. Indeed, when we pray for one another, let us pray for these things. Salvation, healing, deliverance, reconciliation. This way, the Lord's kingdom comes. So let me just give a quick summary of what I have just um, uh, applied to this parable. First of all, let us not be caught in the act of pretense. Let us add oil to our ministry. Secondly, let us watch out for the Lord's second coming and learn more about it. Thirdly, let the rivers of righteousness and streams of justice flow from us. Let us pray.